welcome to this presentation from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. We are located in the greater Los Angeles area at 9820 Lakewood Boulevard in Downey, California. We would love to have you worship with us any Saturday you are in our area. Hello, friends. I hope and pray you are well. Let's begin with prayer. Father, today, as we continue our series, as uh, we talk about being reborn, Lord, through you and, and through the Holy Spirit, be with us in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joseph Stowell uh, tells of a story when he was in high school. Uh, sorry. <laughs> he uh, They had ex- scheduled its annual opera production. And so all of the talented students were quick to try out for the various different parts. And he wasn't as confident in his abilities, and he decided that singing in opera, not necessarily for him. But then Mrs. Wilson, uh, his music teacher, asked, hey, would you mind just trying out? And uh, it's not the biggest role, but it does have three solos. And uh, in his estimation, his audition was mediocre at best. But Mrs. Wilson reacted as if she had just heard the choir of an angels. And she said, oh, that was just beautiful. That was awesome. It was perfect. You are just the right person for the role. Please, will you do it? Won't you accept it, please? So he said, okay, sure, I'll do it. And when the time came for next year's opera production, most of the students who had played the leads the year before had graduated and Mrs. Wilson had transferred to another school. And in her place was a rather imposing, serious figure who had an excellent singing voice and a a sound knowledge of music theory. And as trials began, Joseph felt confident. He felt ready that his talent was just what was needed. And with over 150 peers all assembled, he knew everything would go well. However, after he finishes his audition, when the audition was complete, the teacher asked, who told you you could sing? Oh, what a knife to the heart. As Joseph writes, the timid youth of a year earlier was suddenly reborn. He was totally destroyed, his confidence crushed. Harsh words are already bad enough under any circumstance. But to a young, idealistic boy, they can be absolutely devastating. And from that time, those six words stated, who told you you could sing? It took over eight years and coaxing of his fiance before he sang again. Words. Belief. But words especially do interesting things to people. They can uplift or they can destroy. Now, let's go to uh, the book of John. We find ourselves in, in chapter 3. Just prior to this, uh, in chapter 2, Jesus uh, was at a wedding where he changed the water into wine. And also in, uh, in, in chap- uh, later in chapter 2, he cleans uh, the, basically the, the, the temple from all of the, the den of thieves, you know, his, one of his famous outbursts. 
And in chapter 3, we find Nicodemus, a Pharisee. So let's just read this real quick. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs that you are doing if God were not with them. Now, who is this Nicodemus? Well, in chapter three, we, we, we find that he's, number one, he's a Pharisee, so he has some clout. He's in the community. He serves on the Jewish ruling council. And in, in, in Greek, uh, Nicodemus means leader of the people. Now, it's interesting that Nicodemus goes to Jesus at night. So Nicodemus, in, in some respects, he has a lot to lose if someone of, of his ilk, <laughs> if someone saw him conversing with Jesus, especially during the day, they're wondering, what's he talking with him about? So he goes and he sees him at night where it would be less obvious. And one could also argue that maybe he came at night because it was in his part of his heart. He wasn't sure who this Jesus was and his, his heart was clouded with darkness and it wasn't sure if he could even trust him. But something stirred within him to seek him out. Maybe he was at the temple the day before or whenever it had taken place and he wondered, what is this Jesus? Why did he get so mad? And then in verse three, Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And how can someone be born when they're old? Nicodemus asked. Now, surely they can't enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Now, Nicodemus is literally thinking of an actual physical person trying to go back into his mom's womb. But Jesus, no. He's thinking from the spiritual perspective. So Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. And flesh gives birth to the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it's going from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. So, I mean, does this water mean literal baptism? I think so. To be baptized when we when we get decide to give our lives to Jesus, we want to make a commitment. And one of the things that we can also do is to make a public display and, and enter into the waters of baptism to die to one's old self and be reborn. But ultimately, the first step in anything here is to be reborn is and to enter the kingdom requires that you make a personal decision to follow God. Now, how do you do that? In fact, I mean, how do you change? And it's 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 a walk with Christ. It's by faith. It's ongoing. To follow Christ means that it's a it's a lifetime commitment. And any relationship has its challenges, but it's the commitment to walk together in communication is is what causes success. To be reborn is not a one-time commitment, but a lifetime, a whole lifetime commitment. Now, in verse nine. Continues, how can this be? Nicodemus asked. And Jesus responds with, you're Israel's teacher. And you don't understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people don't accept our testimony. And remember, 
just as a quick side note, remember, Nicodemus is a Pharisee, so he would have had all this opportunity to read all of the scriptures and would have been familiar with Isaiah and and all of the prophecies of who Jesus was and and to know uh, many things, and yet it had missed and gone over his head. And so Jesus then says, I have spoken to you of earthly things and you do not know, or sorry, you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the son of man. And just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. The answer to how humanity can be saved and transformed is in Jesus. The same one who came from heaven and stood literally before him, before Nicodemus, was the solution. In fact, in verse 14, it states that the Son of Man, i.e. Jesus, must be lifted up and ultimately the path that leads to the cross. This is the way to eternal life. And and what Jesus is referencing in verse 14 is that in, in Numbers 21, where Moses was leading the Israelites and they began to complain once again because they have no food and water and with what food God did provide, they complain. They said, it's bad. It's, it's actually, it's miserable as scripture says. And so the story continues that as well that snakes eventually come into the encampment. They start to bite Israelites and some of them even died. And the people realize the error of their way and they go to Moses and ask, hey, can you please pray? We forgive, we repent. And then that the snakes also may be taken away. So Moses, he prays and God tells him to take a pole, create a bronze snake and, and to place it on top of the pole. And if anyone is bitten by a snake and they look at the pole, they would live. Now we as humans were sinners in need of a savior. And in both stories, God provides the antidote to the problem. And as we continue in in John 3 and verse 16, the solution is found in verse 16, where it's one of the most famous passages many of us probably know by heart. It's, it's on t-shirts, and especially if you maybe go to a, a football or a baseball game, somebody has that cardboard printout. And it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. To be reborn means to lift up Jesus. You know, sometimes uh, I have to ask myself, and maybe I ask this of others, what or who first drew you to Jesus? Who perhaps took time to invest and to share Jesus with you? And, and, and what caused you to be interested in who this Jesus was? And, and maybe for those who've been in the faith, how has your view grown or changed since you met Jesus? Has your life changed your viewpoint? Ultimately, has your relationship been affected with God? Rebirth, reborn. To be reborn means to live a life through the Spirit. And some of us perhaps maybe feel some hesitation. Maybe there's some of us who are hesitant because uh, to go before God, maybe we have the sense of guilt or maybe we're not good enough or perhaps 
there's no need for God because look, I'm good. I'm strong. I got money. I, I'm, I don't need a savior. But I think there's much that we can obtain by following God. Number one, there's life, a new life, a better life. But yet there's also this community of believers that, you know, one thing that we have learned is that even though we can't necessarily be at the church, the church resides in our hearts and in our minds and in, in our conversations and, and, uh, in our meetings. And, and we have this community of believers who can be there to pray for one another, to lift one another up, to listen and to, to walk and do life together. But maybe that's also one of the issues. Perhaps maybe you're hesitant because you're afraid to acknowledge that maybe you aren't as perfect as you would like other, like to admit or that maybe someone may discover that you have faults or maybe you've been burned by somebody who's a Christian. And for that, if that's the case, I am sorry. Last week, we talked about Jesus being the light. And when Jesus enters our lives, the light also shines on us. And and sometimes when the light shines, it can be very revealing and also sometimes uncomfortable. You know, a question that I sometimes have to ask myself, and maybe you could ask this as well. Have you ever tried to hide something from God? And knowing what I know now that I mean, <laughs> that's impossible because I know God knows everything. It's more, I think we're in denial. It's difficult to deal with things that we have been running from. But truthfully, if there is something that you're fighting, maybe it's best if you actually deal with it head on. Putting it off isn't going to change anything. In fact, you'll probably only regress. But Jesus is in the work of renovating our hearts and our minds to restore us, to give us dignity. And don't wait because there will never be a better time to come to Jesus than now. Now, the third part that we're going to talk about is redemption. So next week, we're going to continue and talk about a story found in Luke 7 of of a sinful woman. And we're going to find that Jesus is in in the business of redeeming And some of us perhaps have been in the faith for some time. And for whatever reason, maybe you've chosen to go your own way. I want to encourage you. Read Luke 7. Get not only a preview, but to get a head start and and to think about and contemplate how does Jesus impact this woman's life? For those of you who are maybe learning about Jesus and want to get to know more, uh, want to know more about Jesus, reach out to us. And we would love to walk with you and help discover and learn more about him. And for those who would like to take a moment now and and maybe even commit your life or recommit to following God, I want to give you an opportunity to pray a prayer of commitment. So let's pray. Dear Jesus, I want to commit my life or in, in, in others' cases, recommit my life to you, to walk with you. So I open my heart, Lord, and fill me with your Holy Spirit to lead and to guide and as well teach me your ways and help me to be a faithful Christian. Amen. May God's grace and peace be upon you. Have a great week and uh, we'll see you next week when we talk about redemption. Grace and peace, everybody. God bless. 
We hope you have been blessed by this message from the Downey Seventh-day Adventist Church. You can find more messages at www.downeychurch.org. God bless.